The Tulane Executive MBA program provided me with a perfect combination of soft skills and the confidence necessary to run my biotech company. My name is Trivia Frazier. I'm the president and CEO of Obatala Sciences Incorporated. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you're a person of a certain age, you can amuse children by telling them stories of what it was like growing up in the pre-helicopter parent era. Nobody took you anywhere in an SUV. If you had to go to soccer practice, you found your own way there. And during lunch and recess at school, you could climb around on the jungle gym, which was a set of steel bars set into concrete. If you fell off the jungle gym and broke your arm, leg, or teeth, well, that was just what kids did, and nobody seemed to care very much. This is the point where you might want to stop and admit how stupid that last part of your childhood story is. Everybody knows kids are going to fall off playground equipment. Why wouldn't you put something other than concrete underneath it? Today we do. One of the products that kids fall off playground equipment onto today is called Jelly Bean Rubber Mulch. For reasons we'll get to in a minute, Jelly Bean is superior to other choices like sand, wood chips, or recycled tires. And this superiority is why it's shipped all over the country and around the world from its headquarters here in New Orleans. The CEO and founder of Jelly Bean Rubber Mulch is Nick Campisi. Nick, welcome out to lunch. Hey, thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Like play, another thing that comes naturally to all of us is dance. If you'd like proof of that, go to YouTube and search Toddlers Dancing. You'll find endless variations of little kids moving in time to music. As we grow up, we learn to refine these movements into sequences depending on our generation and culture. If you want to take that one step, pardon the pun, further and get really good at dancing, you can join a dance troupe or take dance lessons. Here in New Orleans, you can do that uptown at Dance Quarter or downtown at the Rhythmic Arts Center. Both of these dance studios are part of a business called NOLA Dancing. The owner and director is Katerina Boudreaux. Katerina, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Nick, before you came along and created Jelly Bean Rubber Mulch, people who cared about kids' well-being had progressed from putting playground equipment on plain cement and were covering the ground with sand, wood chips, and recycled tires. Now, tires have toxic chemicals in them and stain clothes and skin. Wood chips mildew and rot when they get wet. And sand has to be replaced every year or two, which is problematic and expensive. So that leads me to the obvious question. What exactly is jelly bean rubber mulch made from that makes it the playground covering of choice? And how did you develop it? So it we kind of started out almost by accident. We were in the business of taking rubber scraps from certain industrial locations and retail locations and this was all pre-consumer just factory scrap that was going into other products and you know we knew how people would make a tire and say hey you know okay 
we could take that, turn that into playground mulch. And the first thing on our thought was, was the last thing you want your kid rolling around in is an old dirty tire because you know there's lead, there's a lot of chemicals, uh, uh, so fillers, carbon black. Carbon black. Yep, it's one of the largest fillers. All of all of that turned into something that just kind of popped into, hey, there's got to be a better way. And there was a couple of people that we were servicing that had a rubber tile that was a virgin rubber, you know, almost food grade rubber. This stuff's super clean. It's uh, designed for kids to play on in the first place. So we said, hey, we could make rubber mulch out of this product. And and that's kind of how, how the product was born, was a, um, you know, taking a trimming from a product that was initially designed for indoor or outdoor use and turning it into a safety surface for playgrounds. Katarina, every now and again, dance becomes really popular. When Michael Jackson was the king of pop, he popularized dancing. More recently, the TV show Dancing with the Stars brought dance into our living rooms and we all became armchair choreography experts. In between these periods of popular awareness, the day-to-day dance business rolls along and it seems to be a fairly sizable industry. Your own dance studios alone here in New Orleans have between 20 and 30 teachers. They teach all kinds of dance styles, including tango, Cajun, ballroom, salsa, and a long list of others. Are your students in all these classes professional dancers or do you primarily market to regular folks who just want to learn to dance? It's an excellent question. I would actually not agree. I think dance is always popular. Dance has been popular since people could dance and cavemen danced. Cavemen danced, um, and they certainly made, you know, drum beats and noise. And if you look at the history of dance, um, it evolves from either very dances that were for the very wealthy, like minuets and and whatnot, that were danced in courts, and then and then dance that was danced in the street and local establishments and what you find now is that there's a tradition of dance culturally here in our Zydeco and in our Cajun, in swing dance even, um, moving from New York down and then there's a history of more proper dance that has you know moved into more of a ballroom um, feel and then there's dances that are connected to the Latin community so what I find is the beautiful thing about dance is it's always popular because it's always part of our culture and it's always part of the way that we connect to other human beings. Um, I think it's exceedingly important now in an era where young people are looking at phones and not having that ability to to look at a person and say, hey, do you want to dance? And being able to share human contact in a safe space. Um, So for me, the dance community here we offer to anybody who wants to share a sense of community with someone else in a dance. Dance lasts three minutes, but the community that you find within within your class, you begin to make friends and you begin to find other people that start to reach out to you and then you get involved in other community building projects. When I first moved here, the first thing I did was I went to a tango malonga and I went to a poetry writing group. And they're still my friends. So I feel like dance has its place culturally, but then also communally. Well, you know what interested me was the kind of the business incubator part of what you're doing in that you offer relatively inexpensive dance studios and teachers sort of get their, um, I don't know, get their their footing by this. Absolutely. Um, I'm happy to see when teachers start classes and they they build their skill sets, they build their following, and then they go and take themselves into a different environment. I have one teacher who's become an international uh, professional, and to me that's part of that whole 
let's become a community and see people grow. Um, we also are super happy when people rent from us that have children. You know, we have majorettes that are part of our community and tumbling classes. So the different kinds of people who take the opportunity to learn how to dance in any way is super cool. You know what you need on the floor? Rubber mulch. You know, the moms yeah. in New Orleans <laughs> thanks you. I, I, I know this stuff because yeah. it's at the parks here. And I have a, a toddler and that, dude, it, you bounce. Gives the parents and not only the, the uh, administrators peace of mind when you have a lot of other children that are not yours playing on the playground. So, and sure. did you come up with this because you're a parent? Didn't you no, say? no, this is well before I had children. Um, it was uh, more just, you know, we, we, we saw what was out there in the marketplace and said, hey, there's got to be a better way. And, and, and that was it. It was a better mousetrap. So. And why are you the, are you the only guy in the rubber mulch business? No, there's a, a lot of people that manufacture tire mulch. So they're chopping up old, dirty tires and turning it into playground mulch. And, and what our, you know, the, the better mousetrap was, was us saying, hey, there's got to be a better way for this, you know, without exposing your child to lead, cadmium, arsenic, phylates, all the, all so the nasty so stuff that's in tire mulch. And so that, you know, we are the only non-tire rubber mulch. And, and why is, is because there's really just not much rubber that meets that spec in the marketplace. And um, it's a very tight spec. There's a lot of scrap rubber. However, most of it is not suitable for children to play on. And it's a pretty far-flung operation. You don't do the landscaping, right? You kind of outsource that wherever it's going? That's right. Yeah, most most people, they will place an order from us. I mean, we're, we're most like a tech company, probably. We're getting leads online. We're, uh, you know, making the connection with school districts, municipalities, um, churches, daycares. And at that point, we will sell the product to them and ship it with, uh, you know, a common carrier freight truck or our own trucks that um, are through our logistics arm. And when the material arrives, then typically either a contractor or volunteers would do the install. And uh, in today's uh, really litigious environment, I think I would pay up for yours, don't you think? <laughs> well, yeah, and, that, and that's it. You know, I mean, the, the fact that tires are allowed to go on a playground, it, it's, it, it's kind of crazy when you look at what's in it. And, you know, there's been conflicting data, but it's kind of starting to come to a head. You can just search, you know, D.C. lead in Washington, D.C. right now. There's a lot of uh, just, uh, I guess, activism by parents to remove all of the rubber tire mulch from playgrounds. And um, so we're, we're getting a lot of uh, action on our website from that area right now. Now, uh, Katarina, I took Cajun dance lessons and I was oh, told... Oh, good for you. Yeah, I was told I was a little too rough and I would be better suited to Zydeco. So, uh, but I'm still trying. Well, you know, dance is, for me, a continually evolving exercise in muscle memory. Like and Brazilian Zouk. Brazil oh boy, here we go. So Brazilian Zouk <laughs> is such an interesting, <laughs> it is such an interesting phenomenon that has like struck the communities. In fact, there's even something called Swook, where they are putting together West Coast Swing and Zouk. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about dance, is it's continually evolving. It's funny how dance movements go, like it, they start on the West Coast or the East Coast or sometimes in Miami, and then they kind of filter through the states. And so you get these pop-ups of, the, oh gosh, this is super exciting and wonderful right now, and then you have all this interest, and then sometimes it moves to something different, and you combine blues and tango, and you get blango, or you, <laughs> you decide, 
And it's it's awesome to kind of see those things change. I just had to take a couple of West Kings, West Coast Swing classes because the style has changed in the last couple of years. I'm you still know? doing the Macarena. I guess that's not being done anymore. I love the Macarena, man. Okay, right. One of, our, one of our children's groups, they play that every Saturday. Was it Saturday morning they, they run it? And they have the kids, and they're, they're, they're down in it. Movement is life. And I think that the pass-through of these different dances and as different cultures come up to the forefront, the Latin community, the Cajun community, whoever community, um, it's great to see them all represented and to see their time in the spotlight. And I, I think from the business point of view, you only have, I mean, though you've done a great job, you have limited space, and I would assume there might be almost unlimited teachers vying for that space. Uh, how do you... I was thinking about why this would be tough, not from a business point of view, but, you know, these are creative types, so uh, mm-hmm. it's a little tough to manage. You know, I I was taught, I, I was brought up in, in Homa with the principles of you, you have to be fair to people. You have to be fair and you have to be honest. And that's how I run anybody who works at either facility is they tell me what they need and I tell them what I can do and that's how we work. Um, of the teachers we have, I will say this, it's hard to be committed to a class of anywhere from five to 20 people every week to give 100%. And it does take a certain personality to bring the joy and the commitment to that class and, and the love of the dance. Um, so some teachers have been at the studio for six years, seven years. Some teachers work for a year and then they move on to other things. Um, the nice part is that because it's 100% or nothing, you never have to have that conversation of, um, you know, your classes aren't that fun. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Generally, they're like, you know what, I'm burned out. I need a semester off. And the, that's what's fantastic. And Kateri, are these mainly like kind of after work dance lessons? They are. So I do, you know, I have wedding couples come in that have flexible schedules sometimes. And so privates are taught during the day. But generally, our classes run from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m., um, Mondays through Thursdays at either location um, and the reason for that is people work and people have lives people have children this is an after school work activity just to build community and to have some fun and to get some exercise as well dude if you do a ballroom class for an hour you're going to burn some calories and that's wow. that so it's a great way you know to, to get your feet moving to keep your muscles toned we also have socials, which is nice. Originally, oh, you, you can meet people. You this, can meet right? people. Um, secret dating aspect. Every Thursday night, we have a salsa social. And that is, and so I hope I'm not talking too much. No. Um, the other thing is that <laughs> we have. up. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go. I'll yeah. cop you. All right. Um, so the, the wonderful thing is we have different organizations within the dance community. So we have like Bayou Movimiento, and we have uh, Tropic Vibe, we have Mambo Orleans. We have From This Dance Forward. We have all these other wonderful companies that use the space to build their community, which was the original design, um, was to have a space for partner dancing and for people to have affordable space for rental for other kinds of dance. Well, speaking of affordable, Nick, um, I would imagine, oh, clearly a superior product, but is it a little bit more expensive? It is. And, you know, it's, keep in mind, you know, attire is going into the landfill. You can get them if, free. You get, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, when, when when you pay the couple dollars when you change out your tire, that's going to the recycler to chop it up. And, you know, unfortunately right now, technology is limited to completely circular economy, economy and recycle every tire that's in the market. So a lot still go to the landfill. And um, so 
it, it does cost us money to manufacture the product more so than getting a free feed stock. Um, there, there is quite a bit of expense and plus the shipping, the shipping, you know, of, you know, hey, our in minimum order is one ton. And, you know, one ton, you know, it, it's it's hard to prime two-day that. So we, we, we run in, you know, we have a high shipping cost. So, yeah, it is more expensive. However, over time, if you look at it over just a few years, even three years, and we put a 20-year warranty on our product, it will pay for itself in as, as soon as three. See, I think that would be, I mean, obviously doing a great job. A tough sell to municipalities, the idea that it's going to last longer and over time it's going to say they... They tend to be kind of short-term oriented budget-wise. Absolutely, and that's why you know we're creative. We we offer uh, multiple-year payment plans. We are able to. You do um, your own finan- or you yeah, financing. Yeah, in, in a sense, yeah. We we uh, that that was one of the things that you know we look at someone that's on the cycle of wood mulch, and they're putting wood mulch down every year, and we say, hey, it's gonna three to five years. You'll pay for this product, but you got to get off that cycle, and it doesn't matter if there's too much month at the end of the money for these for these municipalities so we do work with them and uh you know we encourage them to contact us to see if we can work something out you know it, i think we were very early when we started manufacturing this product a lot of people didn't get it and where and is it then, manufactured by the way so we manufacture in a handful of locations around the country and and um it, it's it's done so we can we can kind of spread the material out to where I can cover East Coast, West Coast, North, South, and, and even international orders. So it's, um, you know, but like you said, back to the lead. It, it, it's something that, you know, we, we saw early on the issues with tires and had to come up with a way to, you know, educate people. And now we're, we're getting more traffic into our site and it's people say it hey no way i'm not using tires you know it's it's you guys or you know can we get off of this wood mulch and so so it, it is exciting you know people are starting to awaken to the idea that you know you don't want your kids rolling around in toxic soup you're listening to out to lunch i'm peter raschuti i'm talking with nick campisi from jellybean rubber mulch and katarina boudreau from nola dancing we'll be right back after this very brief break You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Katerina Boudreau, owner and director of Dance Studios and Dance School NOLA Dancing, and Nick Campisi. He's the founder and CEO of Jelly Bean Rubber Mulch, the protective surface that's under playground equipment. Katerina and Nick, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You're sitting at your desk, finally getting around to answering some email when your phone rings and it's your brother-in-law. He usually only calls when he's going out of town and needs you to look after his iguana, but this time it's different. This time he's calling you about business. Nick, your brother-in-law has a great idea. He says the problem with having a long-lasting product is that you don't get repeat customers. You've built good relations with a long list of satisfied customers, but you can't go back and sell them the same product again. So. You, what about going back with another product? The obvious next product for you is to make toys, outdoor playground toys made of the same child-safe rubber that Jelly Bean Mulch is made from. Your brother-in-law is prepared to quit his job at Home Depot and join your team as Jelly Bean's Vice President of Toys. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Are outdoor rubber playground products a, a good idea for a diversified product? Well, you know, I, I think that there's always a case, you know, to put complementary products in. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's something, it's things that are in our long-term plans. However, um, you know, I, I think that in our case, there's still so many playgrounds out there that need product. And you're correct. I mean, it's one of our biggest challenges is, is that we sell too good a product. We sell a product that really doesn't have to be replaced. You know, we had some some playgrounds that were destroyed in Katrina that were resurfaced in 2005, and we could walk out in 2006. You say we could walk out, and you could look at them right now, 13 years later, and it looked like they were mulched yesterday. And we have a very small percentage of the overall market so far. So it's going to take us a very long time, and it's going to take <laughs> us a very long time because we have a finite supply of rubber. So, you know, our focus has really been, yes, we don't get the repeat business from that customer, but our word of mouth and our, our um, you know, serving that customer and them telling their brother-in-law will, will help us, you know, get more business. So when I look at your, uh, your market share, you've got yourself and then you've got the uh, the tires and the sand and the and the uh, and the wood chips and so in in a sense you're you're just trying to get more of that older business to understand what what you're doing that's exactly right now Katarina your brother-in-law has a great idea too he noticed there's a movement these days in the workplace for employers to encourage wellness uh, more and more workplaces are offering fitness options like a workout class or yoga why not dance your brother-in-law is prepared to give up driving for Uber two days a week on what he's calling the NOLA Dancing at Work program. All you have to do is give him 40% of the business he brings in. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Is workplace dance class a halfway decent idea? We've done it. Huh. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Jeez, I'm that's sorry. your brother-in-law. He's coming up with what's Well, right you know, what would be interesting would be to do like a workplace revolving dance class. Because normally what happens is we get a call saying, well, let me do one that I actually participated in, saying we would like to do a group class to engage all of our office people together to build um, like a bonding, a bonding experience for them. And this particular group wanted line dancing. Well, that's me. So I went out and I found it was really interesting how people connect to each other that normally are just in a workspace when given one task to to do all together how helpful they are to each other and encouraging right it would be interesting to do that in like a school scenario with teachers or in even in like a large office where people are in cubicles like to do that like on a monthly basis um so i would say yes let's do it and I'll do it because I enjoy working with groups of people. I think partner dancing may not be the way to go for beginning. I think oh, a lot yeah. of it would be romance because... Romance in the workplace, bad. Ro- well, I'm all for romance anywhere. But um, <laughs> the the problem would be just having a one-hour time frame. I would want to give them something that they would be able to utilize um, right off the bat. You know, So hip-hop um, or any kind of, like, we have dance trance, hip-hop, we could do there's something called the shuffle which is kind of cool um or to teach them solo jazz or like charleston you know that they could do in tandem want to go to work you know what i'm picturing as visuals great as people working on an industrial floor and it's like those musicals where they jump up on their on their lathe and start singing i want to be a part of that yeah. vision oh this is gonna be great <laughs> maybe i should do this maybe this should be like my next big <laughs> endeavor is to <laughs> <laughs> to figure out how to how to get that going. We also like host these great groups of kids sometimes that come in from out of town and it's really lovely to see how 
dance influences their dynamics and groups and building relationships between each other. It's wonderful. I got a good market for you. Is to tell boys. This is somebody told me this is very. I want to be an evangelist for this. Is that if they dance, that's the ultimate way to meet girls because they never have any partners. Oh, I agree. Oh. A lot of the unfortunate. It's unfortunate in our community. Like if you're not. In, in this environment, if you're Latin, if you're Cajun, in your Zydeco, and this is a gross generalization, um, you're not going to be exposed to a lot of dancing growing up. And so then you get to this point where, oh gosh, I have to do a wedding dance in front of 150 to 200 people, and I can't even put two feet in front of each other. What am I going to do? And it becomes this freak out moment. And then you have these five lessons to figure out how to dance with someone you love and care for. Um, so having dance in schools, you do have a program here that's been around for a long time, but we also have um, Natalie, who actually owns the building, has Mind Steppers, and they go into the local schools in um, fifth and sixth and fourth, fifth and sixth grade, and they teach them partner dancing, and they have a little competition at the Lions Center, and it's super fun. More of that, please, and, all the time. And those schools probably have a playground. Uh, area that's uh, got the rubber mulch underneath Where if they it, trip know? and fall, they won't which is, break their head open. Absolutely. Which is why our producer puts you together. You never really know. Katarina, there are other dance studios and such. Are you guys competitive with each other? We try to build community. I actually took a private from the owner of a competing studio today. Um, we know each other, and... For me, at least, it's all about bringing together a wider array of peoples. We're all working toward the same goal, and that goal is to create a safe, fun dance experience for people coming into it. I was fortunate that I grew up dancing. Some people don't have that fortune. And it's a really lovely thing to see um, a room full. We had Fleur de Lindy here. We had 80 to 100 dancers in a room, everyone getting along from all walks of life enjoying the music, enjoying each other, and not feeling like there needs to be anything more to it than that, you know? So I feel like there's a sense of community here between the different studios, um, and I love it. I think it's the one thing that keeps me working towards You don't that give them goal. bad Yelp ratings or anything like that? I sure don't. Okay, just checking this. <laughs> Given that music is a central part of our lives here in New Orleans, it might not be so surprising to learn that we have a flourishing dance community here. It is slightly more surprising to discover that we're the epicenter of a rubber business that is becoming the worldwide industry leader in playground safety. Katarina and Nick, this has been a really informative and fun conversation. Thank you both for joining me today on Out to Lunch. What a Thanks, great Peter. time! Thanks, Peter. <laughs> Thank you so much. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Katarina Boudreau, the owner and director of NOLA Dancing, and Nick Campisi. He's the CEO and founder of Jelly Bean LLC. You can find out more about Katarina and Nick's businesses by following the links on our website. It's neworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to this show or to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify. You can find all of our podcasts at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com, It's New Orleans Facebook page, and on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9. FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week. 
around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.